I miss a green, for example, I'm already upset. When I find my ball in the bunker, I'm really upset. And when I find my ball in a fried egg. Fried egg. The dreaded fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg lie. I'm about ready to run off the golf course. Welcome back to another edition of the Fried Egg Podcast. Today, I am joined by Jeff Jackelford. It is LACC US Open Week. We are so excited. Obviously, the last week uh, in professional golf, I think it's taken a little oxygen away from this uh, US Open, but it is something to really be excited about. And uh, I think one of the things we learned last year with all the live PGA Tour drama then was that once the ball is in the air on Thursday, it becomes uh, all about the golf. And this week should be spectacular. Um, I can't wait. It's uh, been kind of circled on my calendar for years. Uh, and, you know, we are we are really thrilled uh, to be there and be on the ground for this week's uh, U.S. Open. So we are uh, doing our traditional five things about the U.S. Open with Jeff Shackelford. Uh, Jeff, obviously... A long list of accomplishments in golf, but in particular here in Los Angeles, uh, he's he's from here and uh, had a hand. He was a co-architect on the Los Angeles Country Club restoration with Gil Hans and Jim Wagner. So uh, Jeff, uh, you know, and also writes a substack about, you know, major championship golf. So this was a no brainer for the guests for this one. We are uh we will be on site all week at uh at the US Open. Uh we are we can't wait to be there. Just a couple things uh housekeeping things uh, about the fried egg before we get in there. Uh we are releasing on Monday night on YouTube at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific a I don't want to call it a documentary or a film. We don't kind of take ourselves that seriously when it comes to uh you know, naming of things, but we put together a George Thomas video. It's, it's George Thomas in Los Angeles. It's about 30 minutes. It features Jeff, uh, Gil Hans, and Tom Doak, all of whom have worked at George Thomas Designs here, um, and is a, is a look at the life of George Thomas and uh, his accomplishments and impact on golf in Los Angeles. Um, it is, it is uh, I'm really proud of what the team put together Garrett and Cameron Hurtis on this project. Uh, it was it was a big undertaking, and I'm really uh, pleased that they we got it done, and it'll be out on Monday night. So join us. We're doing a YouTube premiere. It's fun. There's a chat, and uh, join us. Put it up on the big screen. It is it is a beautiful piece with you know footage and insight into Thomas's three famous courses as well as his life and uh, some other just cool historical photos also um it's gonna be a big week for club tfe our membership uh program we have a every hole at lacc video that will be going up early in in the u.s open week uh if you're interested in joining we we do basically daily content on that on that website it's 120 dollars for the year it's a awesome way to support us it is um you can join and and look at it at thefriedegg.com slash membership. 
And uh, yeah, we get all kinds of stuff, early access to events when we when we launch those, discounts in the pro shop, but then regular content from us, uh, you know, video and um, and written. So without further ado, here is Jeff Shackelford. Jeff, welcome on. I, uh, you know, there's not much. I, I was excited to talk uh, U.S. Open and uh, this U.S. Open preview. I was excited, you know, finally the first tournament where things seemed to start to become normal. Majors weren't this like uh, spectacle of gathering of these two parties. And here we are at this historic uh, LACC major uh, U.S. Open, first time they've ever hosted. And uh, the whole pre lead up will not be about the u.s open no i know it's uh I've, I've had mixed feelings about it uh but then as i thought about it i think it's good we got this out of the way if it had leaked in mid midweek or early week tournament it would have been even worse so at least we'll get this out of uh, out of the system the rollout but um but i, I mean i mean we i i yeah we just have to talk about the elephant in the room though don't you think i mean it's not yeah it just wouldn't be right to do a pod without addressing you know, one of the greatest stories of our time. Which, which one is that? This, 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 uh, general Patton, uh, running the smash GC squad. I mean, well, that's I was, just, it's... I was thinking about looping it into one of my five things here. <laughs> you know, <laughs> who, what, what, what's going to be the workout program, uh, us open week for Brooks. And, uh, but I mean, if the, the team is not there, if he's not on team time and not, and by the way, is anybody on the team in the us open besides him? I can tell you that I can tell you with certainty that Chase Kepka is not in the U.S. Open. No, yeah, I'm confident <laughs> there. And uh, but I, I got to tell you, I, I that that was the, and I'm sure people are go- who who didn't listen to the Shotgun Start are are regretting it now, and they will go listen. But just one of the greatest stories I've ever heard, <laughs> uh, and such a much needed tonic in this uh, time of strife and sadness and whatever and a rage, rage, all the rage. I, you know, I love the rage, and it's over. Nothing that has to do with anything of substance. It's that all these people in the club of the PGA Tour weren't informed. Um, but my God, uh, I mean, if there was ever a story that validated why we need team golf, <laughs> team, it's, team it's Brooks ordering the team to the gym. Brooks ordering a a vigorous workout that rendered <laughs> two of his four players un, <laughs> unplayable. <laughs> I mean, what was he thinking? Looking at Kokrak, thinking, "Yeah, yeah, that getting him in shape overnight—that's going to help smash." You know, finally get in the top ten of the uh, of the live whatever whatever they call the thing in DC. We won't even get to know what these tournament name, names are, or will we? I don't know. They're not going away as we record this. They may not be going away. It's uh, there's lots of uncertainty. Other big news. Other big news. Uh, in golf. Uh, this uh, this this week. I guess, yeah, it it would be within the calendar if it, the day week you released a book. Yeah, you know, you're jumping up the charts. You might be the number one golf book in Amazon. <laughs> golf uh, architecture for normal people. Yeah, it's gone great. It's gone. I mean, there's already a second printing coming. It's about to sell out. Uh, the first one. It's gone beautifully. So thank you to all who ordered and. Uh, so far, the reviews have been what I'd kind of hoped for or even exceeding my my uh, I mean, I was just hoping for mild satisfaction at reading it. And uh, so I've had some cool responses of, of people. Well, first, I love when I hear that people quickly read it because it was meant to be a quick read. And 
some people wanting to play more golf because of it and, and all the things that you kind of hope to do with a book like that. And, and, uh, and then I got a, re- a bad review on Amazon today saying it was too basic and for too many, uh, it's, it's geared to, t- you know, just somebody who doesn't know anything. I'm like, Oh, that's the best review possible. It, I would uh, have to ask, is that a bad review given I the th- book title? I gave it a, gave it, I don't know, two, three stars, but I was like, uh, that's, that was the idea. And it, it's not like we bamboozled you. That was kind of the idea. But I mean, I do think some people are really into architecture. I hope it will open their eyes a little bit too, but it was definitely uh, geared toward, you know, probably your audience a lot. You know, that person who's, and we have so many people now uh, that are, are intrigued by what goes into a course design or the construction or things to be able to look for. And so that was the idea of the book was to, to give those people something without going off the rails the way that a lot of the rankings have. So, um, so I'm, I'm thrilled and, and uh, excited and look forward to more hearing more feedback from people. I've so. read it. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. And uh, I have, I tell people this all the time, but like one of the reasons that I got into golf architecture was your writing on golf architecture as I was growing up. So I, uh, you know, for somebody, I get asked this question all the time. What are, what are things I should read, you know, to get into this, to start to, to realize, I thought this was a great entry point to the discourse. And in, in, like you said, it's an easy read, a light lift. It's not too long. Um, you know, you could read this and then you could go j- dump, jump into George Thomas's golf architecture in America. You know, if you, if you really enjoyed this, right. It, it doesn't, you know, it's not a laborious read. Um, and you don't feel like you're reading, you know, sometimes I feel like, you know, when I'm reading golf architecture stuff, it's like a, a 10, 15 page read. And then I'm putting it down because it's, you know, it's, it's like, this is, this is a, textbook type stuff like this this thing you can breeze through uh so congratulations i would recommend everybody going and checking that out that is interested in getting into architecture that is that is even somebody that has uh you know read a ton about architecture is additive it you know there are there are things in there that that will make you think and that's really what you want from a book well, thank you. I appreciate that. That's just what I wanted to hear. And I'm going to go back and transcribe that and blurb that. So, <laughs> oh, I, you know, this, this fancy system we use, I think I could transcribe it here. So, yeah. So, yeah. I got, <laughs> I got Rev on the phone. I got, you know, yeah. I got, I have means. So, thank you very much. I appreciate it. So, we, uh, we're going to, uh, LACC this week. Uh, this, full disclosure, uh, I'll probably say this in the intro. This is recorded on Thursday afternoon, June 8th. Uh, with the state of the golf world, some really big stuff might happen this weekend. This is going to be released on Sunday, uh, June 11th. So, you know, if something big happens and we don't cover it in this, maybe I'll add it as the intro. But this is what it, we're, we're operating with the information as of June 8th. This is a big picture podcast about the U.S. Open. Um, so, Jeff, this is a uh, as an L.A. native, uh, this is a property that you're quite intimate with. You're a co-architect. Well, I haven't been intimate with. I'm intimately familiar. Yeah. If yeah. I've been intimate with it, we <laughs> might we might be having to call the police. But I'm sorry. Well, Go on. You know, you, you could you might be you might be able to describe some of the things, all the photos you have as being intimate with it. You know? Well, there is that. Yeah. Yeah. I do have a lot of photos in the drawer. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. there is that. So, so anyways, we're, uh, you know, I figured this would be a, uh, a great podcast to have you on. You write a, uh, the quadrilateral, a Substack newsletter that is, uh, 
that centers on the majors. So we got major championship golf in LA um, at a golf course that you are a co-architect of the restoration of uh, who better to talk to you. And we're doing our traditional five things about the U S open. So I will give you uh, the first at bat here. And uh, what's, what's the first thing you're looking uh, forward to this, uh, this week? Well, I don't want to make people's eyes glaze over. Uh, because it probably sounds rather drab, but obviously the first thing that I'm I'm really watching and fascinated by is we have a golf course that nobody knows. Uh, we have a handful of players who have some experience there, and we're in a world right now where well, one there's that whole thing going on off the course, and then we live in a in a time where players rely a lot on data and they rely a lot on their caddy more than they used to. And they like to play nine holes a day. <laughs> and I don't see that working real well. Um, so I'm fascinated by how this early week is going to go in terms of people getting to know the course, um, trying to understand it, because it 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 is a it is a course that has some elements that take some getting used to. And uh, so, yeah, not to start off with about the least sexy sounding thing you could throw out, but I really do feel like uh, it's going to be fascinating to watch how these players take a crash course when they're just not used to this kind of uh, thing anymore. They, you know, they used to do the pre-scouting trips, and there have been guys who've gone there for scouting trips, and but not as many as you think. And uh, I mean, we saw it at Oak Hill, which was essentially a new golf course. And I was out there at uh, late afternoon Monday, beautiful day, Marshals were all out there and they were like, um, where are the players? <laughs> uh, I said, what do you mean? Well, I've, I've been here on about six hour six of my shift and I've seen four golfers come through and I'm like, ah, it's a new world. Uh, they like to rest. They watch aerials. Uh, the caddy tells them where to go. And, uh, I just don't think that's going to fly on LA North. Uh, and so that, I think that's just going to be really interesting. Yeah, it's um, it's it's a different type of golf course than Oak Hill too. I would I I don't mean this to besmirch Oak Hill, but yeah, I think no, it was different. Yeah, very in front of you. You know, I don't think there was much nuance to Oak Hill. It was, you know, the the fairways aren't asking you ever a question other than just please try to hit me at Oak Hill. Right. Here at LACC, there might be a little bit more um strategic i think you know the idea of strategy in pro golf is is you know limited but there is some space to operate here there is some space to think about playing a hole a different way you, you talked about this what what's one area you think like uh you know one particular spot you think is an example of maybe you want to see this more times so that you understand the way something works Oh boy. I mean, you could, you could go through so many holes, but I, I, I guess I would, the first thing that comes to mind are the fifth and sixth holes and they're very different holes. Uh, you know, at one point in my lifetime, the fifth was always considered the hardest hole in LA. It's, it's, uh, about 490 and it's uphill tee shot, but it's, it's going to have a massive fairway. And yet if things dry out and it's sunny today, finally, uh, <laughs> here uh it's bliss uh we're nice to see the sun the course is pretty green right now but if it's dry it's this this massive fairway but you have this this slot up the left side and you have to get comfortable 
even though you know it just it just calls for kind of a big beautiful cut but if you get that running and it runs down the fairway into the rough into the in, with a semi obstructed view of the second shot by trees you're going to be kind of annoyed and and it's an awkward line and and you just have to get comfortable with that is it are you going to try to hit a slight draw or are you just going to have to start it left but if you start it left and double cross it you're going to be in massive trouble so that's one and then the hole right after it's a drivable four and and i I just know how these guys tend to play 10 at Riviera, but that one's data driven, Andy. So I, I, you know, they don't have the, the data to say, well, just bomb it up there and gouge. Uh, and well, I'm that's just, what Google Earth's for. You can figure out anything on Google Earth. Right. Exactly. And of course that's just, just, just not the case here. <laughs> uh, and I, you know, and you know, you read the book, I do touch on the value of Google Earth. And the, the things you can get out of it, but I also make very clear there are a lot of things you just can't get out of Google Earth uh, in terms of how you approach a course. You can It's a great starting point. It's a great sense of place thing, knowing where the bathrooms are, or where the range is, or, or where the bunkers are, or where the bunkers are cut short or set short of a green. But in terms of a hole like the sixth at L.A., uh, it just has so many dimensions. Depend, it, you know, it's it's a it's a version of the tenth of Riviera. Only it has a little bit of a kind of hazardy barranca. It won't be marked as hazard, I don't believe. I know that decision was going to be made this week by Thomas Pagel, but it, it's not a it's not a waterway, so it'll be this kind of sandy, uh, problematic thing. And then you have a green that's perched, and it's a long green. And um, I happen to be of the view that. You know, it's a hole you lay up down the fairway. You basically hit almost the same length shot you could hit to the front of the green. Uh, and that's just going to make head spin, you know, just just that notion that a two, 280 shot, when, you can, when it's 290 to the front of the green, let's say, or 285, uh, but you really should lay up 285 and then have a wedge into the length of the green. Uh, that's just not the way they play golf today. <laughs> so, um so they have a lot to figure out on that hole, and uh, I just don't think you can do that in one day. And uh, so things like that, I think, are uh, those would be those holes just stand out immediately to me. Um, to your question, yeah, I think the other aspect of it is like getting comfortable just with some of the targets that um, some of the little nooks of the greens are going to yep. present, where you just you don't have a bailout option. Um, if you're bailing out, you're going to have 20 uh, you're going to have a longer putt like where you know just getting comfortable with that idea right is is something that is unique about this golf course it almost has the tongues that you don't see at augusta that you see in the old photos in certain wings and stuff and with that like one of my things uh, about this u.s open is it is kind of the anti-u.s open test right the traditional narrow fairway thick rough test um we've seen the usga they started to go away from that narrow fairway thick rough test it feels like they've gone a little bit back into it but this is a a place with space it's i think it's going to reward some creativity shot making it is not going to be a bludgeon fest like we saw at wingfoot or tory pines you know this is a golf course that is going to potentially you know reward some different skill sets that we've typically seen at the U S open. That's become super power driven. So with that in mind, it it kind of brings to be to Jordan Spieth, a guy that won a U.S. open at a non-traditional U S open site of chambers Bay that had wide fairways that was firm and fast that presented a, a 
golf course that you had to think about where you were landing shots, you know, where they were going to end up because of contours in the ground. And obviously he played phenomenal at the Memorial, a golf course that doesn't suit his, uh, his, his yep. really profile of game. The swing looks great. The numbers look great. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see a, a player that we usually don't consider a U.S. Open type player in the mix here. He's he's definitely uh, is that your number one by the way I'm just curious. No, <laughs> I don't have I don't okay. have I oh, don't have number. Okay. Oh, okay. I I I've usually use mine to I'm a host here. Yeah, I, I got I'm, it. I'm uh, yeah. I'm trying to keep the uh, the conversation flowing. This is just one of the ones that I had written down that well, fit with our conversation. It's it's a great one, and he definitely is a player I'm thinking a lot about. Partly for the reasons you mentioned that he that he seems to be past uh, the the worst part of whatever was going on with the wrist, and uh, I mean to survive Oak Hill without re-injuring it uh, is fantastic because that rough was just beyond belief. Uh, there there's some stuff like that, and we we'll get into it because uh, one of my items involves some stuff with the the bunkers and the grass. But um, he he's played there. A decent amount. I know he's played some some Wednesdays of LA or Tuesdays of, of Genesis week with uh, Jay Danzi and some members and uh, likes the course. But more importantly, I mean, there's always that's always a nice thing. Uh, to your point on creativity, um, imagination and the things that this course brings out. I mean, the, as I've thought a lot about the course, what I'm most excited about, and I, I may be proven wrong, but I feel like all sorts of styles of play can handle this. If you're playing well, you're going to be rewarded. And I do think there's some some tee shots where if you can hit a very long high draw, you're going to get a huge advantage. And I do think being able to kind of hit a soft cut into the greens like any U.S. Open will still be a wonderful advantage, both because of if, assuming the greens get nice and firm and also just the, sh- the shape of the shots. There are a lot of holes where it feels like you kind of have a, a – a, a right to left bend tee shot and then kind of a, a nice cut second. Um, but again, I, I think if you're playing well, it just doesn't matter if you're short, you're long, whatever you're going to, you're going to do well there. But I do believe that he is still of a generation where I think he goes up a, to a different level. If he feels like he can be uh, creative and uh, that he can, that he can work his magic and, um, so yeah, I, I think it's a it's just set up really nicely for him, and and I'm anxious to see how he manages the week. And uh, I think having played there a decent amounts really uh, going to help him kind of uh, you know ease into the week. Whereas some guys are going to be on this crash course Monday through Wednesday trying to trying to learn it. Yeah, I think the the thing about this golf course that's going to yield the ver- the variety of of styles is that by the space by Offering some space off the tee, some latitude off the tee, it doesn't make driving it long a a prerequisite, right? Right. Because it, it is affording, it's going to afford players the opportunity to hit a substantial amount of irons, you know, like we see, or a, a, a substantial amount of fairways and right. have good iron shots into greens. You know, they're going to be extremely challenging iron shots with the way the greens are the little nooks and crannies that they have. But, you know, the there's a feasible world where somebody might hit every fairway in, in a round of golf out here, which you cannot say about the majority of U.S. Open courses. They're, like, 
I would not be surprised if somebody hits 14 to 14 fairways in a round of golf here. And to me, you know what? Like if you're talking about a test, it makes sense that somebody should be able to excel at that component of the test. And it, to me, that's where so many venues get it wrong in major setup is like, are we really striving for a success to be 60% on, on one of the aspects of the test? Yeah, it's well, it's just that obedience kind of golf versus letting the players play. And they, and there's, there are plenty of opportunities, by the way, to get in trouble if you start to get a little sloppy and just think you can just bomb it out there. Uh, you, you still have to be careful at times, but you also are not going to be, you're going to be able to hit driver. Let's just start there. And we know what that kind of does to the whole mojo of a tournament. When, when, they, when they take the uh, driver out of their hands, it just becomes this, it immediately loses something. And, uh, and, and I, and I guess we should explain a lot, a lot of people may be wondering why is it wide? Um, it's, it's, it's a very severe property in places. And if it gets running and we've seen it in the pac 12s and, and a little bit in the Walker cup, you have to be careful because a couple of these massively wide fairways can get to where they play so narrow that it, it's a little bit goofy that, that no good drive, is rewarded not every hole but 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 a few key holes and uh, and USGA doesn't want that and that's a great thing that's where they've changed i think in in a lot of ways or they're just more cautious um and and they really do they're not paying lip service to this about the architecture they're they're genuine they want to they want to let the the design when the design is good they want to let the design determine the champion and they they are less concerned with the winning score than they used to be, uh, even though they used to claim they never were interested in the winning score. They are. And uh, and, and I, I'm thinking the winning score will probably, unless we get just a ton of afternoon win, it'll probably be 13, 14 under. Uh, but I think it'll be a, <clears throat> I think it'll be a great finish and a sensational week. I don't, I don't see it being something feeling like a birdie shootout. I think it'll still separate the field. And uh, that's what you want. I think I think that's one of my things uh, to watch is the winning score. And I think we're going to if it's at 13 or 14 under, there's going to be an outrage that this isn't a U.S. Open. Oh, yeah. And there's always that. And I think that's just the silliest thing. It's a you know, um, I think the different ways that this golf course puts pressure on your game is super unique and the different shots um, that it's going to require different shapes. Um, it shows you a lot of different windows off the tee. Like you said, some, some really wide fairways that play super narrow, um, some more narrow shots. Like, I, I mean, like the way 14 is narrowed down, um, like you got to hit a perfect tee shot on 14 yeah. to hit that fairway. And one of the things I think about is like the variety of windows, not showing somebody the exact same, with every hole makes driving much dip more difficult because you don't get used to what you're looking at. Um, and I think that's a big part of this is, is looking at, you know, around the greens, you're going to have bunkers. You're going to have Barranca, which is going is different than the bunkers. It's a very unpredictable lie. Right. Like you don't know what you're going to get when you go into Barranca, you have thick rough, you have short grass. Like that's the type of around the green test that you want to see every type of shot people aren't just it's not just a hack it out of the rough or i'm in a bunker right. there are a lot of variety and that's what i want from a test i want i don't care about the score i care about the wide range of shots that are being asked 
to be hit to succeed. We want a test, a well-rounded test that that looks at everybody's game. And I think that this has the opportunity to do that regardless of score. Yeah, and that's where the game's just more enlightened, that more people appreciate that element and uh, not trying to have it be... Uh, well, just not go back to some of the things that they used to do. And there will be people who miss that. And, and I get it a little bit in that, you know, we love the, the differentiation of the four majors, but we've seen when you go to a great golf course and then you sort of emasculate it with, with narrowing and rough, uh, yeah, it just doesn't feel good. (laughs) You feel robbed, you feel cheated. And I think that's, what's exciting about this setup, regardless of whatever the whatever the score is. Um, and so, uh, but you set me up for, for my second thing to look for pretty, pretty nicely there. So if I may, if you, if you'd like me is to, it, uh, I only jumped in because it was a good time. So, you know, well, you're it was a beautiful jump in and then it was a beautiful segue. Uh, so, I mean, you asked me to think about the, the, the five things or so that, that people should be looking for and expecting or, or watching, enjoying. And, and I think number two, I mean, after that early week stuff and just sort of what players say. And um, and by the way, it will be fun to contrast early week comments with after four rounds, uh, their assessments of the golf course. Because, um, you know, I do expect some some unhappiness in some some ways because there's, there's some blindness out there. But um, to your point on variety, uh, I feel like this course, if these par threes are set up well, there's five of them, uh, has the best set of par threes in the United States. And, and that's, I understand that there's Pine Valley and Cypress Point, places like that, and places with oceans and dramatic shots. Um, but I think when you pick these apart, and again, if they're set up well, and and when I say set up well, what, what happened uh, when we did the restoration work you know, we, we got away from box tees. And so you have kind of what you, you saw at Southern Hills, a lot of, you know, that fairway mower cut and you have a lot of flexibility and, and we were more than comfortable doing that because George Thomas was big on day-to-day variety. That was his, that was where he wanted to see architecture go in the future and, and did that use this course as his example. And so we actually went beyond the original design concept. You know, there's a new left tee on nine that happened after some eucalyptus trees died. Uh, there's a longer tee on four. There's two long tees on seven and 11 that I'm, that those were built by us, but <laughs> those were meant to be alternate par four tees and his course was in the course. Well, now they're par three tees, but I hope those, I hope those tees are moved around a lot. Because as you said, all these wings and nooks and crannies and and these greens allow you to just have these radically different yardages, but more than that, radically different shots. You know, the feel um, is just can be so different day to day that that these par threes never feel the same. And there's nothing worse, you know, just watching where they just know what they're going to hit, where to put it, and. and I don't know how they're going to figure that out in the practice rounds. And I don't know how much the USGA will telegraph, you know, Kerry Haig didn't do that at all this year. It's uh, Oak Hill, which I thought was interesting. I mean, one, I think one spot, he had some netting, uh, but other than that, he just le- left the par three tees wide open and, and he moved him around, which was fun for me to see. Cause he, I think he used to kind of roll his eyes at that a little bit, but um, 
we saw, and we've seen it over and over again, um, it's a better test. It's more interesting for the player. It's more interesting for us to watch. And and then within this set of five at L.A., again, it's just uh, I, I can't wait to see how they're set up and what they do to kind of kind of wring every little bit of of character out of them. And um, I don't know what you think in terms of, of a set of par threes and where they rank, but I know, and I know some people would probably question that comment, but I, I, but I do believe if they're set up with a lot of fun and variety, they'll, they'll, people will see like, Oh, wow. That was, uh, that's a pretty cool set of holes. I might want one that plays kind of uphill. That's my, would be my, hmm. my one critique. Where you have yeah. you have two down two significantly downhill par threes and then three flat par threes effectively. Granted, one you're 15, playing over a fifteen camp. slightly up and you can't see the green, so uh, that's somewhat of a. It's All I right. think I measured it on Google Earth. It's not much, but I know what you mean. Yeah, and I'm not as you know. I don't I don't care for downhill par threes, or I don't I don't feel like they're essential to the game. Where you know, you look at most of the great par threes, they are flat to, to slightly up. Um, I do I do think that the downhill par threes work well um in in the way they're set up, right? I like the idea of the fourth with the tabletop green. How it how everything repels on a yeah. shot that's really, you know, that downhill shot makes distance control more tough or more difficult and you're going to miss right and left a little bit more on it. And having that combined with a green that that runs really repels everything is a really fun shot, right? And I think that one is, you know, is probably the the one that probably gets least talked about of the par threes. Um, and then I would say I think the uh, the eleventh works well downhill because of yeah. its length, right? And just the the whole setting with the skyline. I mean that, yeah. That par three, I don't think from a playing standpoint, that's my favorite par three out there. But from a just a a setting standpoint and 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 um, like knowing where you are and, and everything about it, it's a hard one to pass up. And I'm sure that's going to be that banner shot of of live from all week of going sure. to commercial breaks, yeah. the skyline, the 11th green. That one is going to get it's uh, it's a lot of airtime. Yeah. Yeah, the, and and by the way, number nine plays a little up, and nine is the one that I'm most interested in. It's the one I'm most proud that of. Green. I think, yeah. And so when I first played uh, LA as a as a kid, that green was this little, uh, just awful. You know, the bunkers had just swollen up, and you just had one row of pins up the middle, and it was too steep, and and it, it played long, and then there was this horrible shoot of ukes, and yeah, if you hit one of those, you drop down, and you're just you're just dead, and it it just was. It just was not a good hole. And so that was the one where we most just completely rebuilt the entire green. And we had some great photos. And And Gil, I think, just did a phenomenal job of recapturing uh, those contours. He did that one on the on the dozer. I mean, it was all the other greens, you know, we were kind of working in a general shell. But that one was really a, a full destruction job. And what's so cool about that one um, is that, you know, you can play it. And we've already seen it. You can just play the tee up to a front pin that's that's got a big tier behind it that's just a wedge. Um, maybe a nine iron if it's blowing in the afternoon, depending on where they put the tee. And and it's just this delicate shot. You just got one little place to put it. And then you have these other dimensions when the pins are on the upper shelf on the right. 
where it's kind of a, you almost want to cut it in and you almost want to play safe to the middle and just take your two putt. And then oddly the back left pin, the, the kind of dramatic, the one where you could put the tee back, put the pin back. You can be 50 yards difference from that front tee to the front pin. So, you know, two, three clubs difference at least. That's actually probably the easiest pin on the green because the green kind of can funnel down to the pin and uh, it's, and it's, but it's a great feeling shot. You can kind of air it out. You can play a draw, you can kind of cut it. And, and I just love like it just every day that hole can just be, it's like a new hole uh, to the players. And so I, it's probably the one I'm, I'm just most excited about watching what happens there and with the setup and then how the, how the players deal with that and whether they like that or not. Um, and, uh, and it's one that's really affected by the afternoon win. If we can get this, this morning marine layer to lift it, that afternoon breeze can really be something, but, but in the mornings, you know, people just be ready when it's, when it's foggy and that's when Max Omashot is 61, when it's that marine layer, um, look out, they're going to be some good scoring because, uh, uh, players just, it's funny. I mean, I asked them, I've tried to do an article on it and you just can't, you just can't, uh, you just can't break through, but, yeah, Ken Ventura used to always believe that 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 marine layer was just so much better for scoring. It just took away the shadows. You just saw what you needed to do better. Everything was just just quieter. And uh, I agree with him. And I I think yeah, we don't have the shot link data because I don't think they enter the the weather. I've 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 asked if that's possible to start entering weather hour by hour, and someday be able to see this difference. But um, I think you're going to see some amazing scoring uh, in the morning waves on Thursday and Friday. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, oh, I we didn't really even talk about 15, by the way, on the part threes. So um, I think everybody's starting to hear that one, but you know, that's going to be the coolest of them all just because it's such a little, a little wee hole after these two, you know, 1150 yards of hole on 13 and 14. that are just and then 16 after it. Five and 16 and 17 and 18 are all just huge. But then in between, and in my, my lifetime, you know, that hole was always viewed as an afterthought and this, this kind of mistake and what the hell happened here. And so I guess other than number nine, that's probably the other one in the third green are probably the ones where at least I, I can't speak for, for Gil and, and Jim, but uh, that we're most proud of just because, I mean, talk about all the new dimensions to it. Um, and how cool it was in the Walker cup. So I'm, I'm a little nervous, you know, it's, that was a Walker cup. That's, <laughs> that was not a lot of players. We'll see how it behaves when they go, you know, to the 78, 80 yard shot with a, a full field and a, a you know, just more, maybe, more foot maybe traffic it's a Saturday, maybe it's a Saturday. Um, I think it's thing. probably Saturday would be my yeah. guess, but when you cut um, the field. Yeah. Oh, it'll definitely be the weekend if they, when they do it. And I know they're going to do it. They loved it. I mean, they took all the numbers. It was so cool. I mean, Will Zalatoris, I wrote about it in the newsletter, uh, in my, my recap, it, and it sounds kind of cliche ish, but I just didn't know how else to put it. But anybody who was there uh, that still talk about the, up the, the, the way he got up and down, he was long and he had to use the little bump in the green and funnel this crazy little shot. And I was standing down in the front. It was just the coolest little shot you've ever seen. And, uh, and we had guys almost hole out. There'll be a couple hole in ones. I, I almost guarantee it if they put it in the right spot. And um, a couple tap ins. You know, in the Pac 12s in 2013, Casey Martin was out there on the green, standing 
I mean, actually coaching, uh, this is a real true. Like I've never seen a golf coach to get this much into coaching, <laughs> showing the guys what line he wanted. And two of his guys hit it. Yeah. They just had tap-ins. It was so beautiful. It was so cool to watch. I, uh, you know, and he was allowed to do that. And, uh, cause you kind of have to pick a spot and then let it, if you, you catch it right, you spin it and it'll just kind of funnel down. And, uh, so it's going to be a magnificent hole. I, I, I don't know how many people will be able to get around it. You know, it's in a, very busy intersection, but uh, I sure hope it's a featured hole coverage hole. Uh, I don't know what those are. Yeah, it just it would just be so cool. I, it better be. I know Tommy Roy, even a year ago, was already starting to talk about it. The NBC producer, so I'm pretty confident he has a good sense of what a what a great little hole it's going to be. I mean, like the the eleventh, the Country Club last year it was a nice little par three. <laughs> this has got way more going on as a short a short par three. Yeah, the 11th of the country club was a nice par three to look at, but like, you know, in in a professional golf space did not. I don't think it really put put the screws to to the players like like yeah. this par three will where the target targets here are so small because of that central bump. You know, there's just yeah. not you, you just have to kind of take that aim on a lot of these um, or use the bump. Today's episode and this week at the U.S. Open is brought to you by our friends at Bedratty. Thank you to our longtime partner, Bedratty. We've been working with Bedratty for years. Um, in my opinion, they make the best golf stuff. Uh, I love their cotton polos. They're, uh, it's made with Peruvian Pima cotton. The Liam Polo is my favorite. It's got the iconic pocket uh, in, in the polo. And this week in LA, it is absolutely perfect weather for a uh, a Liam pocket polo that's soft Peruvian Pima cotton. So, Bedratty, they've got a wide array of options at Bedratty.com. Um, you know, you can get sports shirts, which I think their sports shirts are the best in the business as well. They uh, they spent a couple of years deciding on you know, exactly the fabrics and stuff, you know, everybody's going to this tech fabric. They want to make sure their tech fabric was equal to their cotton fabric, you know, in terms of comfort and everything. So their, their tech fabric, uh, in the sports shirts really stands out to me. It's super soft. Uh, it's not, it doesn't feel like you're wearing like nylon over you. So, uh, we've got a promo code that's great. You get 30% off uh, if you use the promo code TFE30. Uh, that will give you 30% off. And they've got a wide array. They've got shorts. They've got shirts. They've got T-shirts. All, all of these things. They've got boxers. They're all great items. I really love their clothing. And they've been one of our longest uh, supporters. They are a, uh, a growing business just like us. And, uh, and they've done, uh, you know, they just continue to bring out new products that I really enjoy. So visit bedratty.com. If you use the promo code TFE30, you will get 30% off your order at bedratty.com. And thank you to them for sponsoring our Bedratty house this week. We wouldn't be able to be here without them. Thank you, Bedratty. And now back to Jeff Shackelford. With the with the USGA, um, I guess this is a combination. I've decided to combo this. 
We're going to spin with the with the obviously the Saudi Arabia news, the the great the great merger, the PGA Tour brought to you by Saudi Arabia um, that we have entered into. And then obviously the USGA and their efforts to rein in the golf ball. Hmm. I think this is a this is going to be a big week. We will get a ball update. There's been some presentations made to the PGA Tour. You know, obviously, uh, Mike one will have it will speak at this event. Um, and I'm sure I'm just, I, this is the through line, I think of major championships, uh, for the foreseeable future is, you know, and this will be one at the open, but like, what's our update on, on the golf ball and our pursuit to maybe not have these, uh, these fantastic athletes that, uh, just be able to drive the ball to where they render 540 yard par fours into driver nine iron. Like we'll probably see this week. Yeah, and there's going to be a lot to look at on this course for people if they if they care uh, to see what had to have been done to get the holes relevant in certain spots and, and some of the crazy uh, T locations and numbers and intersections. And uh, I hope people see that and see what a what a way it alters uh, not just the the playing. Uh, experience, but the, the, the access fan movement, all that stuff, you know, there's some, some areas that in the past would have been a great place for a grandstand. Well, now they're back tee for another hole and things like that. So I don't expect him to give us much because uh, I think the comment period goes through August. Uh, so I'm, I'm guessing that we, we won't get much of an update on how that, that meeting went. And, uh, uh, it'll be interesting to hear, uh, where that is on the priority list of the, of the players now <laughs> in light of everything that's going on. You'd like to think it's about 48th on the list of things that really should matter to them, which is, uh, their, their, uh, their deals with companies and their, uh, their, their, their victimhood at, at possibly losing 30 yards. Uh, although, you know, of course now we're hearing the, they were told the professional ball would fail under the new testing parameters, the ball from the, the, the mid nineties, where we saw the huge leap ironically here at uh, Riviera in the 95 PGA is when I really saw the, the leap from that. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's one of those things that, that I look at some of these tees next week and I just, uh, I just shake my head. They're, they're in some crazy places. And, uh, and then, but this time of year when the guys are, it's warm, hopefully warm. Uh, and, de- and, the, and, the, and the forecast for the tournament days is looking pretty good in terms of uh, warming up. It's warm. They're in shape. They're in uh, peak performance mode. They, they just hit it some crazy places. It's, uh, I, it seems like the other aspect of the, the golf ball out here, uh, in, in the, the T locations is going to be the, the flow and possibly the pace of play. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, you know, that we saw this last year at the open championship at the old course, it just was impossible for anybody to get around the golf course in a brisk pace because of, you know, where tee boxes are and having to wait. Well, you've done it again. You say you segued, you didn't even know what my, my next thing to look for was, but, um, uh... So there's a stretch at LA Country Club that uh, the things I'm really looking for not I'm not looking forward to watching this I'm just looking to watch this. <laughs> so Captain George Thomas uh, was you know not a big template guy as you know Andy but one of the things he he wrote about in his book uh was starting off with with some longer holes and spacing out play. 
he was he was ahead of his time on pace of play. And so he had a, a set formula. It was the only really formulaic thing that he and Billy Bell did. Started at really, I guess, with, well, White Marsh uh, has a par five opener. Uh, uh, but at Griffith Park, which he spent his own money, George Thomas, to finish in 1923, and that was before he was working with Bell, uh, starts with a beautiful, beautiful par five and, a, and then a, a really great tough par four. And that became his thing. And so the good news is LA Country Club with uh, between one and two, uh, good gettable par five should average about 4.5 or something. They'll, they'll play it well. And I think number two will probably average about 4.5. And that's his thing. And he he did it at Riviera. Although I've heard, I've heard rumblings that when they have the U S open there in 2031, they're going to go par four, par five, which uh, doesn't quite go with his concept of letting you ease into the day, but whatever, that's their, that's their thing. Um, And so you, then you have three and then four is a par three and five is a good long par four. So you kind of can space it out there, but, then you get this stretch. Six is drivable. Seven's a hard par three. Eight's a reachable par five. Be a lot of waiting on six and eight. Nine's a devilish little par three. And in, in, I think in U.S. Open conditions and especially in the afternoon when the wind starts uh, picking up. And then 10 is 10 and 12 or two, you know, uh, 380-ish par fours on, on the back nine that I, I have no idea how those are going to play. But I think they're going to yeah, they're not going to be fast holes. Uh, and the 11th's a hard part three. So that stretch of six through 12 has the potential to be quite a, a, a slow play uh, nightmare. Uh, so I'll be really curious what they're going to be able to do, if anything, to uh, try to prevent <laughs> an all-out debacle on that front. Um, I, I mean, I, I, am I, am I being, uh, overly, uh, nervous here or is that something you noticed when you, when you've been looking at the golf course? I think, I think it's the combination of the, the holes. Um, and, and then, you know, uh, our, our, the, just the, the gazelles of the PGA tour, you know, who managed to render every golf course slow, right, but then, right. then furthermore, how you're going to have people waiting on tees like the ninth and 16th tees, right? Or the ninth uh, and 17th. 17th tees. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's a spot where you have tee boxes right next to 11 and 16, 11 and 16. Yeah. We have some, you, you have these close proximity areas where both groups can't tee off at the same time. So they could both tee effectively tee off, but one's waiting for the other. And those little delays over and over again, just, reverberate their way through the field. And then all of a sudden, if you're at the back of the bus of one of these waves, you're going to be, you know, maybe, maybe one of the tips for the players is bring a, bring a little chair out with you. Yeah. You know, have the caddy, have the caddy bring a little stool for yourself. (laughs) Uh, Matt every style. I wonder what they'll do. uh, Yeah. Or I was thinking more, I was going to go with Hogan and the shooting stick a little more, you know, dignified, but uh, uh, yeah, I don't know what they'll have in the way of, uh, they should have some bench seating uh, on, on some of those tees or maybe they don't want to encourage it, but yeah, they don't really do benches in the, in the U S open, do they? Um, It it, like reminds me of that, uh, of the college event at Greyhawk when they did, they moved that one was a 16 or 17 up to drivable where you had three or four groups of, of college players just sitting on the tee box. So 
That's yeah. going to be, you know, th- th- the slow play, the rounds are going to be, obviously you have all the light in the world at this time of year. Um, but that's, that's going to be a tough, a tough, uh, situation. Yeah. Especially six. And I, I don't, I've watched now at Riviera the last few years. I, I'm not even convinced that the waving people up does any good. Uh, in fact, I, I, there are times where I feel like it makes it worse. And now six at LA is interesting because it's so drivable, but it's blind. So yeah, I would not want to be a marshal on that whole, the whole, the whole, uh, dealing with that situation, marshalling wise is, uh, I hope they put their best people on that one in terms of, of, uh, flags and systems of when to go. And I mean, the good news, I think only the only good news I can find, well, we'll see is if a decent number of guys actually see the benefit of laying up down the fairway and then they'll just hit, they'll lay up and they'll, uh, They'll, they'll. I, I could see, you know, ready golf being something the USGA is uh, willing to 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 ponder. Uh, I may ask about that early in the week. I'd be curious. Um, I'd love to see that, uh, but uh, I, you know, and this will be as you know. I've talked, tried to talk to many players about slow play, <laughs> and and how the architecture and the weights and the and the distance component plays a role, and they just. They're just not interested in hearing it. They really aren't. So <laughs> it's my, frustrating. My next thing, uh, I'm gonna go. I'm I'm kind of cheating here. I'm putting Brooks, uh, Brooks, the Smash Captain, who I'm sure will be, you know, doing military workouts himself all week. Um, Brooks Kepka, Scotty Scheffler, and John Rahm to me are kind of the stories of uh, of golf this year. Uh, they're they're two of them are the stories of the major championships. I think Scotty's probably in that same mix as the major championships, uh, stories. And, uh, they're, they're three players that are playing outstanding golf and they come yeah. in to a venue that, you know, obviously I think fits their games. I don't know of many venues that don't fit their games, but you know, can, can Brooks, you know, he's gone first and second in, in the majors this year. Can he continue on a pace that we've seen him do before? Could he add another here? Is it another in contention late moment with Scotty Scheffler? Obviously, you've got the putter issues, but at the same time, when you hit it as good as he's been hitting it, you know you can putt poorly and win. Um, and then John Rahm, uh, finally, this this seemingly would be a golf course that really will highlight his strengths. Those three to me are the are the three big favorites and they they have some separation from probably i would put you know rory and a a bucket of other players next but those are the three favorites do we get one of those players winning and continuing on you know in all three like brooks it's kind of unfortunate he's not playing on on the regular on the pga tour so we could see how this year might be with brooks because those other two guys have just been such dominant stories of every tournament they tee it up in seemingly brooks can't play a regular event what are you talking wow. about he's a major I don't know. guy he won he won a live event he's what he's the only player that's won two live event you, you know, could argue even, that's one of the greatest wins of his career given how he plays <laughs> in non-majors well that's um, why so if we just gave him a, a tour win you know you all of a sudden like instead of the live win like you you look at the tour schedule and rom's got five Scotty's got two and and a top five in every other event that he's played in effectively. And then you got Brooks with two, you know, it's, it's kind of like there aren't many tournaments that weren't won by these guys in in the 23 calendar. 
Well, no, I agree with you. And those three are all obvious favorites. And Scheffler and Rom both have experience. Rom in the 2013 Pac 12s as a freshman, played four rounds. And then Scheffler uh, was playing on the Walker Cup team. Now, mind you, but, you know, Rom is a freshman and Scheffler was not having a good week. And uh, so they're totally different golfers coming to this. But I just think having that time around the golf course, some, some memories will come back. Uh, I mean, I think Scheffler is the favorite just because of his experience there and the way he's hitting the ball and the greens being, uh, yeah, it's a mix of greens. Yeah. You know, it, it's, um, I, you know, George Thomas was not a great putter, so he didn't build a lot of, he didn't go crazy with a contour, but there's some that are really steeply pitched, uh, and some really devilish putts out there. However, I don't think you need to be incredibly, creative i think you need to be below the hole a lot <laughs> that's really as i've been going through these holes in the in the newsletter and i i just I hate even writing it but i you know really be good to be below the hole here yeah no thank thanks sherlock that's brilliant but um it really speaks to how well you you need to be playing with your irons and maybe even miss a few greens just short uh and not have that downhiller and and uh, i think that the the key with him is 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 he gonna let this frustration with the, the, the putting, uh, eventually sort of boil over into, into his game so far he hasn't, but he doesn't look like he's, you know, exactly patient with, uh, those around him and not finding a, a solution. Uh, that said, again, the last time he was there, he was struggling that week. And, uh, I mean, Cameron champ hit a 400 yard drive on 14 and yeah, you could walk out in the fairways and, and everybody was wanting to watch Cameron Champ that uh, and hits a 400 yarder on 14. He delivers, and Scotty hit it so far out of bounds. <laughs> I mean, he had the entire golf course to the left, and he hit a four iron uh, just past Aaron Spelling's house, uh, the Manor, uh, excuse me, and uh, which is down below the 14th hole. And he didn't, he didn't play in the afternoon, uh, that day. Uh, and it was probably that shot, uh, but he, you just kind of knew he was struggling coming into the week. So uh, it's funny. It was Alatoris and Scheffler were the two that were really just not on their game coming into that Walker cup, but, uh, some things have changed. So yeah, I agree with you, those three. And then I, yeah, I'm going to throw, I mean, I just, I, th- I think it's just a phenomenal golf course for Rory, but I can't get past, um, all this drama and not having been there and trying to play Canada, come in and do the crash course. I mean, if I were him, I would say no press conference. I'm not doing a press conference. And and just, I mean, I, I don't know why he needs to do one. Um, he talks not every gonna, week he plays. He does. Just, and it's like, I you feel know bad what? because he goes up there and it's like, what? What yeah. is he's going to answer yeah. the same exact questions he answered the last time exactly. he played. And he's great and at it. Yeah. And he's a good sport. And you know what? It's time to not be a good sport. It's time to be an ass and say, you know what? I, I know I'm a former U.S. Open champion. I have work to do. I have rest to do. Uh, he's spoken how he can't. He loves West Coast Opens. He loves uh, the idea that it's going to be in Beverly Hills. I've got my family. I, I just can't talk to you. There's nothing. There's nothing I'm going to be able to tell you about the golf course. There's nothing I can tell you about live and all that crap. I don't want to talk about it. And I would have all the. Uh, admiration in the world for him uh and doing th- that because like i said man some of those tee shots oh man i would love to be able to hit his drive on uh his and, and even there's even a couple that in this setup in the open 
you wouldn't normally call draw holes that, that are really becoming draw holes because of the kind of U.S. Open tees. One and 16 immediately come to mind. So, uh, and then, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just, but I am with you on Spieth and, and um, just feeling like, you know, Bermuda grass too. You know, that's another thing people need to remember. Um, that's the, yeah, he plays that a lot. I mean, it's not a big thing, but uh, there are a lot of stars aligning uh, certainly for Spieth, but it, it is hard to get past. Rom Scheffler and, and Kepka and, and Brooks, uh, I, no reason why he won't love uh, the golf course. I can't, I don't, I don't believe he's been there. I believe he did answer that question. I don't believe he's been. So uh, I, we'll see when he rolls into town. Were any of those on your list? Were any what? Those players on your list of things to watch. No, no, oh, I didn't, I didn't right. want to, you, I wasn't going to specify what? any players. I was, I was, yeah, no. So what do you got next? Um, well, we'll we'll go back to uh, well since we just mentioned grass uh, and architecture, but I, I would love to make a little explanation because I am a little nervous about uh, the reception to the bunkers, and I think the bunkers are going to be a big All story. Right. Yeah, so uh, try to explain this because it it it's uh, I don't think it's that complicated, but uh, and try to give people kind of an idea of what we try to do and and where they're at for this uh, this championship, but. Um, so George Thomas and Billy Bell worked together and, and, uh, they kind of had a style and it evolved with each course. They got a little more aggressive with it. And it was sort of a, a fringy dune blowout baseball glove, uh, floating cloud, you know, irregular edges look. And we had good photos, but we didn't have every hole, um, uh, a, a perfect ground shot of. And so when we pitched this restoration, um, we said, look, we, we, you know, the, the bunkers have become totally dysfunctional. They were hard to get in and out of everything buried. I mean, it was a fried egg everywhere. They were awful. They had these shelves. Uh, they'd just been edged to death. They'd been rebuilt not very well. And we wanted to get, get everything back down a little bit, uh, a little less swollen and nice, nice, easy walk in on the low side with fairway right up to the edge. And people are going to see that. And, and then get back this, this look that Thomas and Bell did. But we said, look, you, you, this is an old club and it's an old golf course and these should look old. And Gail and Jim had done uh, a process, uh, created a process of, of creating a thicker lip and, you know, just, just, just that kind of uh, uh, cool old look. And so we, we did a test bunker figured out which grasses would be best. And it's fine fescue kind of as you'll see on the lips. And then it's tall fescue on top, which is kind of a popular or was a popular lawn grass. I don't think it is as much now because um, it loves water. It's cool season grass. And so they're very hairy and they're very, they're, they're, there's a lot going on in there. And then with all the rain we had, they're really, you know, they're thriving right now. <laughs> and they're maybe a little too much. So, you know, it's a visual thing. Uh, mostly was was the goal, but it also just to kind of really make those bunkers pop. You know, B Bermuda edges wouldn't have done so. So those things are pretty hairy and wild right now. Whereas the rough on the course, you know, we just haven't had a, much warm weather. So it may not be the the dense Bermuda rough that people expect. Also, because the style of grass, Bandera, it just the way it grows. Sometimes the ball sits up on top of it, even at three inches. It just doesn't, just doesn't quite fall down as much. So I'm very nervous. There's two about, types of Bermuda, right? Isn't there Bandera and something else? 
Yeah, the Bandera's in the rough. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not the fairway grass. And uh, so I'm a little nervous about, you know, that dichotomy of, of the two kinds of rough grasses. Um, and then obviously some of the lies that guys will get in, in, in those bunkers or around them. And then inside the actual bunkers, you know, the USGA does not, they're not big on firm sand and, and kind of what the tour tends to do to not, to make sure guys don't get embarrassed. So they've, and that's, that's been standard at the U S open a while. So, uh, there's no liners in these. Um, you can get some funky stances sometimes if you really hit a weird shot. And, uh, so, you know, I, I, I hope that, well, I don't know what I'm thinking. Players don't view these things as, <laughs> well, I'm so naive. They, they just, they think they're just very spoiled when it comes to bunkers, as we know. Uh, I mean, heard, think I about mean, the Southern Hills uh, drama. Remember yeah, the Southern Hills yeah. drama with I mean, like geez. the, the yeah. sand pebbles? And the changing the bounce and they, they, they got a little carried away with the pebbles and the, and the, uh, the outrage and they were, uh, yeah, they had all week to practice them. Uh, I mean, Tiger, at least when he sculled them out of them in the first round, uh, he didn't blame the sand. I don't think he did, at least not that I recall. Uh, he was, he was, he knew he hit bad shots. So, I mean, these are not going to be as firm, I don't think. And, uh, you know, it'd be nice again, if we keep getting some sun to dry it out. So, uh, I, I just hope that people understand that they are, um, they're supposed to be hazards. George Thomas did not throw a bunkers everywhere and they're really well placed. And, and if you're in one, you know, that's your problem. But I, I know, I know I'm naive. <laughs> I realize that's that, that the guys, and then you may not have a perfect lie in them. And, um, I think they're going to have some meaning and the areas around them will have meaning. Uh, and I don't, I don't know if players will be how receptive they'll be to that. So that's definitely something to, to keep an eye on. Um, I think I'm on my fifth one. Okay. And uh, I'm, I use this one for Oak Hill, but I think this is a developing story that needs to continue to be. Um, you know, we love our best player to never win a major uh, mm. debate. Yes, best player without majors. That's that's a great topic that everybody loves to beat on. And I don't. I think these two have just sneak, sneakily work there that been just top 10 players without doing much of anything in, in notable events, but they are quickly ascending the weeks of the top 10 of the world rankings list. And I think they need to be the, talked about like these, this is a perfect fit for both of them. Xander Shoffley, Patrick Cantley, two yeah. Southern Californians, uh, coming to play LACC. You know, they do everything well. This golf course should should set up beautifully for them. They've spent uh, each of Xander's been in the top 10 in the world for 189 weeks. Patrick Cantley's been in the top 10 for 179 weeks. To put that in perspective, Ricky Fowler, who everybody always cites as the best player that didn't win a major of this generation, he was in the top 10 for 206 weeks. I don't know if he'll get back there. Luke Donald at 220. So, Really, in the next year, in the next calendar year, these two will have passed Luke Donald, will have passed uh, Ricky Fowler, and will be bearing down, barreling down on the next next longest stint without a major, Steve Stricker. And at that wow. point, there are Lee Westwood's the only next target really that's on this list in Monty without majors. <laughs> so you know these guys. 
I don't see them falling out of the top 10 in the world rankings because they seemingly knock off a, a win or two in these in these elevated uh, yep. hit and giggles on the PGA Tour that, yep. that are contested. So to me, in particular with, with Patrick Cantlay, I, I need to see something from a major yeah. championship. Yeah. You know? Boy, and if this isn't the week, lined up for him he shot 62 now when he shot the 62 and by the way be very clear here i'm not in any way demeaning the round in fact the round was spectacular the greens were soft they were having some trouble in the early days of the grow-in and there was some scalping going on and it was a stunning round because the greens were not perfect (laughs) so he has a 62 he knows members he's played there a decent amount you know, he's just so Jekyll and Hyde in, these, in majors. You know, he does show up sometimes, and, and but seems to – and then there are weeks he's just not there at all. Uh, I, I, I really do expect him to play well. I mean, this one is just set up for him. But as we know, there's a lot of pressure, too, that can really throw you off. And uh, I think the good news is – by the way, another guy who should not do a press conference uh, because uh, I just – again – I think it's a week where he needs to go. You know what? This is a big one for me. This is my 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 area. Uh, I have a lot of views on the tour thing. I don't want to get. I don't want to go down that. I want to. I want to play well here. I played a lot here at UCLA, so um, I hope he does that. Uh, plus, I don't think his press conferences are very interesting. So um, the, the, then there's Xander. Uh, yes, I mean, great U.S. Open record again. Uh, this one just, he's played there with Patrick. Uh, he, by all, I talked to him at Riviera this year and, uh, he really likes uh, the golf course. And, um, I mean, I would just like to step back too and just point out what an unbelievable time this is for us in Southern California. And I, and I know that people think that golf here is, is really a wonderful place for a developing player. It is not. There aren't a lot of great ranges, especially if you're a public course person. You have no place to hit off of grass. And so, and I include San Diego in this. They have a few better ranges, thankfully, than LA area. So, and Xander's obviously the San Diego side of Southern California. So, you have Max Homa, uh, you have Xander and Patrick as Southern Californians. Patrick obviously grew up at Virginia Country Club, not a public course guy, but. But somebody who played, you know, all the junior stuff around here. And um, so you have, yeah, Max Sahith uh, Thigala. Yeah, uh, Sahith. Who played, I just found out, as a 10-year-old uh, in, a, in a qualifier at L.A. Country Club, a U.S. junior, uh, unearthed by uh, either uh, somebody at the USGA, but Julia shared that with me, Julia Pine. Um, so you have those two. You have Colin Morikawa. Uh, Another public course kid from Southern California. I mean, this, you know, my dream scenario is, and all Ricky, these guys, right? Ricky counts. Uh, R- Ricky's Temecula, absolutely. And uh, I think Ricky would be rooting for a little that afternoon sea breeze because we know he's a great wind player and he's playing really well right now. I don't have any idea on his track record at LA. So we, it's a very special time uh, in terms of players we've produced and, and most of them being public golf golfers uh now what what that means when they come to la country club because yeah yeah what about bryson uh what about him he's He's northern cal northern cal northern cal clovis come on come on you're a californian now you gotta 
<laughs> we don't count that. No, that's uh, Central California, I guess. But no, 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 no. We draw the line. Plus, it's him. Um, so, yeah, so we have these. I, I mean, I feel like all those players should have a great shot. I mean, Sai's playing beautifully. Another person who this is, you just look at the golf course. It's great for him. Um, so yeah, I'm excited about all of those players and, and, and I feel like all of them are, and it's just a, it's just an amazing thing to think about when you, if you've been here, I know we have beautiful weather. Um, now the one thing is most of those people all grew up on Kukuya and Poa, Kukuya Fairways, Poa Green. So, uh, LA is beautiful bent and Bermuda. It's more of a kind of a, uh, upscale Southern golf course kind of thing. Um, but I, yeah, you know how it is. You get to your home area. You, you know, there's something about the sea breeze. You just, you just remind us comfortable. Yeah, I think so. I'm- I think so. And and just knowing the city of L.A. and kind of where to be and where to stay and and uh, all that stuff is those are all little things. And having some some hometown uh, crowds behind you, which also sets us up for my last item. So uh, yeah, I feel I, like I, it's an exciting time. I feel like the uh, Australians love L.A. too. There's just something about L.A. and Australia. And, and, you know, I could see, like, I feel like this real quick. This screams Cam Smith. It does. It does. And he doesn't need to, you don't need to be super long. And, um, yeah, should be good for him. I I mean, Adam Scott has shown some moments lately and and should be a good week for him. I'm 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 assuming he's probably going to roll into town. If he hasn't, he loves L.A. You know, uh, it's amazing how many players don't, you know, don't like it here, and it and it and it seeps into their game. Um, it could be the the time of year they come to Riviera, and it's just different. It's winter. It's uh, a lot of traffic and crazy stuff going on. I don't I, know. But, I do yeah. feel like some people love it though because it's like you, you they there's stuff to do. It's so Riviera and this one. I think it's just so cool, like the you know, in the sense of like, God, these guys get to just be immersed in culture, in like a in a cultural experience outside the golf course, and you know, obviously for these guys, there's extraordinary food in in the areas of of these courses, and and uh, you know, would be just a you know, it's just a delightful uh, place to visit. Well, and nearly all of them can walk down any street in Los Angeles without yes. their logos on, and no one will have a clue who they are. I mean, I know Rory loves, uh, I mean, he's mentioned going to a coffee shop in Santa Monica with his wife before. Nobody knows who he is in LA. They're oblivious. It's hilarious. But yeah, he can sit there, read his book, and and nobody's going to bother him. And, and, you know, the other thing is, too, is even if people recognize you in L.A., there's something here about celebrities. Uh, people are kind of used to seeing them out in, in the wild and, and they generally kind of leave them alone. So, uh, yeah, I think there's an element to that that people don't quite understand how centered this course is in the city. And there's all these neighborhoods you can go off. And it's not like everybody's saying, staying in the same area. There are going to be people on the Palisades. Brentwood, Santa Monica, Beverly Hills, uh, Hollywood, Culver City. They're going to be coming at the place from all these different directions. And you can kind of uh, leave the course and 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 not be in that sort of herd-like tour world. And some players, I think, are like that. They like being with the herd at the hotel. But we know the great ones don't. And they want to be left alone. They need their. They know in a major, they need their, uh, their quiet time or their getaway time. And yeah, go out to dinner. They can actually go out to dinner, although they all bring their chef now, I know. And, um, and there's a very good chance they won't be bothered. And there's some amazing, amazing uh, things to do in terms of, of food. So, uh, 
but yeah, that sets me up for the last thing, which is, is another weird one. I'm a little, you know, um, besides obviously the location and, you know, I've been kind of covering both the architecture, but the surrounds of the golf course are just amazing. You know, the homes are crazy. Um, and then the views and, and the idea that you're on the cusp of Beverly Hills, UCLA to the West century city, the towers, you know, everybody's probably getting tired of hearing about it, but when you're on the property, it really is spectacular. Um, but I am, I am nervous. Uh, and I will defend my hometown, Andy, because the last time we had a major championship, we had very poor attendance at Riviera. It was one of the last majors before tiger. They overpriced the ticket. Uh, it was August. People do other things. It's a it's a big place, but uh, nobody knows this thing is coming. Uh, there's been no. It does. No, seems like it. No. I noticed that with Airbnbs. Like I was, you know, you anytime these U.S. Open, you go to look right. at your, you know, you're trying to. I, we rent a house, you know, for these U.S. Opens, and it's like a, it, it, you know, you're just trying to find the deal. And I'm looking around, like close by. I'm like, it's like this is. This isn't jacked up from their normal rank rate. Right. If you look at it, you know, a month later, it's like they don't even know it's coming. They don't. They don't. And I mean, I've even talked to golfers and and uh, they'll say, uh, now, yeah, what year is that again? I go, um, it's in June. It's coming. <laughs> um, hello. Uh, you know, I don't know what's happened. There's no there's no there's no banners on this. You know, we have these street signs and uh, they tend to put good uh uh, you know, charitable things or event things, you know, the Hollywood bowl season coming on the, on the lamppost. There's nothing about the U S open. Uh, you know, the Genesis sold out this year. So I just want to establish that first of all, yes, Tiger was playing, but the price was actually raised and they did cut off because they wanted to have a quality fan experience at a certain point. That's never happened in my lifetime. And there were crowds were fantastic. Um, it was also the one decent week of weather we had. <laughs> all, all of uh, January and February, and and we're not complaining. We needed the rain, uh, but so this is a very expensive open, and uh, they've sold. You know, two thirds of the tickets are going to the members or to the corporate world. So I'm just very nervous about what this is going to be like energy wise. We're going to be playing late in the day. Uh, Got you know, thank. Thankfully, NBC uh, doesn't have the uh, synchronized swimming trials to uh, cut away to. So we're going to have uh, nothing uh, Olympics. Oh, I'm sure there'll be some tacky promos to remind us about Paris. But I am nervous about what it's going to be like out there in the evenings with with the amount of people uh, and who's out there and, and how much energy they're giving the players. Because already it's a tough one in terms of, you know, with all these back tees getting close to the getting close to some of the greens and tees. So. It's just something, you know, you want me, things I'm looking for. And I'm, I'm looking for that, how that fan experience goes and what kind of energy is there. And I'm, I'm hopeful, but I am nervous that, that, uh, you know, later in the day and people, yes, there's a lot going on and people might be worried about traffic or whatever, getting back to their car. Um, I, I, uh, I think it's something to watch and we'll see how that, how that plays out. If they ride it out long enough, they'll miss the traffic, you know, with how well that would be my played. argument. Yes, correct. We'll be playing late on Saturday and Sunday for well, we know they're late Thursday, Friday. Let's hope they finish. And uh and then yeah, Saturday, Sunday, they will be late and yeah, you'll be you'll and, and traffic on the weekends is, is uh is not so bad. But uh but you got a long walk to the parking structures down in Century City and all that kind of stuff. You gotta go over a bridge and 
I, I know how people are. <laughs> they yeah. start to, ah, oh, we got to go. You know, it's like the, uh, the, the commercial where they, they arrive at the game and, you know, they're already wanting to know what time they're going to leave. So, uh, uh, so we'll see how that plays out. But uh, I, I, if the sun comes out, it's going to be spectacular on TV. And, you know, the way the bunkers look, uh, you know, they've had a lot of time to plan how to, how to show this uh, visually. And I don't think they'll do anything that matches your, you know, your drone shots. But um, I, I'm confident that they'll, they'll do some great stuff. Well, and, and, uh, you got to turn the just... saturate. You got to turn the saturation down. You got to, you, you, you can't, you just yeah. gotta, you gotta start by not just auto jacking up the saturation to, yeah. you know, actually show some, <laughs> what something looks like. Yeah. And it's pretty green right it's now. For a but, lot of photographers mm. also, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's look, you know, they, uh, that's television. They, the people like green and, this place is green right now. We had a lot of rain, and uh, but I'm I'm hoping that uh, today it baked out a little bit. And uh, uh, unfortunately, the weekend here is as before this cloudy. drops very cloudy and, and dank. But I you know later in the week it'll it'll be nice. But more importantly, there will be no smoke from fires, and there will be no thunderstorms that uh, force us into Monday. I'm I'm confident in that. Although I did see some little afternoon thing on Monday. I, I don't know. That may have been my uh, weather app uh, getting confused it, about it what city. Where, it rained in my town on uh, on Tuesday. Yeah, and we may get a morning drizzle. Let's be clear. Uh, there's a big difference though, between drizzle and uh, potentially <laughs> uh, stopping play. We won't be we won't be having that. So uh, weather uh will will definitely be a story in a different way but a great way. I mean, can you imagine if they were trying to play it at Oak Hill okay. uh this week? With the smoke. Yeah, I mean it sounds like the again, by the time this drops people will know, but the I think the Belmonts in in jeopardy and uh yeah, so we're uh so we'll focus on the positive, sunny, beautiful California and I just uh I can't wait and I I can't wait to hear what people think, but I I'm pretty confident they're going to they're going to have a great, uh, great show to watch. Awesome. So who's your pick to win? Uh, I think Scotty Scheffler's going to win. Um, I, I do believe that, uh, I think we'll have, we'll see the best major we've ever seen from Max Homa. I just think he loves the golf course. And I, I think he'll, I think he'll, he'll figure out how to deal with the obvious pressures and, and distractions. And I think we'll see Cantlay give it a good run. And I really do think he's, he's due. And I think Rory will be, very dangerous if he can compartmentalize and and uh, learn the golf course. Um, I think he's good at, at at picking up a golf course pretty quickly, but man, it's still I still don't like the the rolling in late, and I do love the idea that I, I, uh, the way Spieth's trending, but I I just think that Scotty's on a slightly different level right now, and uh, and Rom, I, yeah I I just I'm back on that on some of those tee shots. Um, I, I don't know if he has that shot that 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 he really feels great turning one over if he has to. I don't know. Um, I don't feel like I've seen many of those though over time. Um, so, uh, but I think I'm most excited that I, I just feel like it's going to be a course that rewards a lot of different styles, and and I think that's the most exciting thing. I don't think it's going to pigeonhole this into a bomb bomb and gouge thing uh, group or anything like that. And, uh, and then there's some great qualifier stories too. I'm excited about those. And I mean, Stanford getting four, 
four guys in the field and uh, Barry, the, the Uber UCLA driver. kids, cool. Yeah, uh, so the, yeah, I watched him a little bit at at, um, at Hillcrest on Monday. Omar Morales, some really cool story talking to his coach Armin at uh, UCLA, and uh, finished D, D, DFL in their first tournament of the, in the fall, and uh, won the last tournament they played at UC Davis. Qualified for the Mexico Open, a one spotter, shot eleven under, I believe it was at uh, Hillcrest, and. Um, has a low round of the Bruins this year at the North course where they play a lot. Weirdly, yeah, it's mostly a USC club and yet UCLA plays there more than, than SC. Don't, don't ask me why that is. Um, so yeah, he's a, he's a, an interesting one to, to keep an eye on if you're, you're looking for, for a, a young player that you've never heard of, uh, and cool representing Mexico. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm still just blown away by Stanford. That is, that's impressive. And then we'll get to see Gordon Sargent, um, see what he does. And, uh, you know, a lot of short grass around the green. So we'll see how that, how the, how the chipping is. And, and, uh, but it's, it's easier chipping than Augusta's, Augusta's tricky chipping. So I, I, I don't know if, I don't know if that's a good one to judge somebody on the more I, I thought about it after the masters. So, um, and yeah, Barry, the Uber driver. I mean, how about, how about this? I, I, I don't know about you, but I, I think, so I, so when we were in the, 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 me, the what? The Hensonator. Oh yeah, that's that's what we're calling him for. But I want to know why. No, is that's, it what Barry... call, that's what he calls. Oh, that's himself. what he calls himself. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Why how, have we found out yet? Why it's Barry with an E? I haven't. I have an article open. I haven't read it, but it's Barry with an E. He told like, like he, when Barry. he when he appeared on the Shotgun Start, he told just a great story of I think it was he, you know he plays on the Asian tour and one of his first starts on the Asian tour, he got introduced as uh, uh you know. Attempting to pronounce his name, um, it w- it came out very handsome. <laughs> very uh, handsome. It was uh, it was a beautiful story. I mean that that's from five years. Of, it was the near the beginning of the shotgun start, but the uh, the very very handsome. Now, why did you have him on the the shotgun? At well, that we point? were just we were just interested in the American. Uh, playing the Asian tour, okay. you know, what okay. that, what that whole experience was like. And it seems like it's been quite nice that, I mean, he told the Uber driving story on that podcast, you know, okay. he, that's what he, he, he spent whenever he's home, he, he drives an Uber around. Okay. But how about this? So we're sitting around the little press room at Hillcrest and I, I, you know, somebody gives me the synopsis and I'm like, we need to find out his Uber rating. So I get an email yesterday from, from Julia Pine. He's a uh, of the USGA four point nine. Oh, I think yeah. that I've, that's more impressive. Delightful. That's more impressive a, than qualifying for the U.S. Open. Nobody's a four point nine. No driver gets gets that. Having having uh you know talked to him over the years and, and communicated with him, he's a lovely guy. You know, yeah. um, he is. Uh, I could I could foresee him being just like a terrific Uber driver, like a well, guy you get out of, you is. get out of the car you get out of the car and be like, oh, what a nice guy. Wow, it's, but he's you know, in shape. <laughs> what I said, uh, I, uh, you know, a few years ago, um, Brett, you remember Brad Merrick from Kiowa, the club pro? Oh yeah, the club pro, yeah, yeah. So I grew up playing golf against him, and I hadn't seen him for years. And New Year's, I was out at a bar. I get in the cab. I get in the Uber. It was the early years of Uber, and Brad Merrick's my driver. So. You know, I think that Uber driving is a is actual a uh, an actual occupation, regular occupation for 
aspiring professional golfers. If you think about, think about like the, I think about like, you know, in even like 2009, 2010, before Uber was around, you know, the occupation was caddying or, or waiting tables. Talk yeah. about a way better job for somebody trying to play professional golf is Uber than than having to wait tables at a restaurant. You go practice all day and you you want to go wait tables at night or, you know, trying to get up the next day after waiting a table, you know, versus like sitting in a car and driving. <laughs> well, you get to kind of quiet your mind. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. You, you, maybe you're not you in... run into somebody that gives you some cash for an upcoming tournament. You never maybe know. If, with those, maybe you get a future those... sponsor. Uh, you, you're not in the gym before the round with the t- two behind the lead and doing reflex work and, and hurting your back and having to withdraw. You're just, you know, sitting in the car <laughs> with the seat heater on, hopefully. And uh, yeah, although he, I, I, I was shocked when he came on the screen. I'm like, geez, that guy's in good shape. So it didn't really fit the concept of the. Well, Uber drivers to, sitting there just, you know, stuffing their face with Cheetos all day in between rides. He's he's he was he's, ripped. He's apparently transformed his game because when we when we interviewed him, he wasn't a long hitter. And now he's he's apparently gained like over the last few years tons of speed. He's done the speed training, yeah, the Padrick Harrington. Training. Yeah. Even yeah. So but uh <laughs> but yeah, I'm glad for Barry Henson. He's not yeah. my pick. I'm taking uh no, I'm gonna got? take yeah. Brooks. Gonna go Brooks. Never, never played the golf course, and uh, okay. I don't think it matters What's, for him. Nah, it may not. It may not. Uh, okay. Well, that's. Um, I, I mean, we didn't really go on a limb with either one of those, but uh, I think I it's think. hard to not. Well, like my my thing is like it's really hard not to pick one of those three. Yeah, it, it is just on form, and we have no reason to think they're in any way less outstanding at the moment, and uh, yeah, and, and yeah. I just, I for some reason, just something tells me there is a little bit of an edge to have having played there, but uh, it is about two hundred yards longer than it was in the Pac-12s, uh, so there is that. But I mean, it's it's the same same course that was only ten years ago. It wasn't that long ago. So the other uh, thing is, I'm in a one and done league, and I need to take Brooks in a major. Oh, now we're I getting lose to the him. real truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so. it's impressive you haven't used him yet. I think it's uh, it's a better choice than Hoylake. Uh, yeah, that's so, kind yeah, of what good I call. But no, I think it'll I think it'll be. Uh, I think you're right. It'll be a great week. So, all right, Jeff, thank you. Everybody can find your work at the uh, Quadrilateral. It is a outstanding sub sack that I would recommend uh, signing up for. And uh, you will be on site. You'll have a lot of different insights. And uh, they can find you on social media apps as well. And uh, thank you also for being a part of uh, a lot of our video content. We wouldn't have been able to do some of the projects without you. Yeah, well, thank you, and thank you for the beautiful work you've done to um, uh, highlight uh, Captain Thomas and, and all the good stuff, and I think you've uh, made people more excited about what's, uh, what's to come. Appreciate that. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fried Egg Podcast. Today's episode was produced by Matt Ruches. Thank you, Matt. As a quick reminder, uh, we will have a bunch of little vignette videos on Los Angeles Country Club. So we've got the George Thomas uh, video that I talked about at the open. We've got the big LACC preview video that we released a couple weeks ago. 
Uh, if you haven't checked that out, check it out. It's about 20 minutes. So we've, we've got those videos. But then we're going to have a bunch of little breakout videos. They're going to be available on social media, uh, uh, on our Instagram page, but also YouTube and Twitter. So if you're looking for more LACC stuff, it's going to be some fun features. They aren't just going to be your stock, you know, about, uh, you know, this whole we're going to we're going to cover some different topics in them. And uh, so be sure to check those out. If you haven't subscribed to our YouTube page, do that. Um, it's a, we're going to be we're continuing to up the YouTube content that we're doing, but these vignettes will be spectacular to watch there. You can always put them up on your TV and, uh, and that makes for nice viewing. So if you're looking for more LACC content, we have more video content coming. Uh, just be tuned in to our social media channels and our YouTube page. Thanks again for listening to the pod. We will be back uh, later this week. Garrett will have a uh, another podcast, and then we'll be back uh, after the U.S. Open to talk about what happened. So thanks, and thank you to Be Dratty, and uh, we hope for a great championship here at Los Angeles Country Club. Thank you.